The following episode of TOEFOP is rated M.A. It may contain Batman references, time travel references, sexual references, lost trains of thought, and mild coarse language. TOEFOP advises that the program is not suitable for anyone under the age of 15 or anyone who enjoys succinct, coherent conversation that might actually have a point. Minors must be accompanied by a parent, guardian, or priest. This is John Deke speaking. Everyone relax. This is Up. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Hello. And we're in the same room. Believe what? it or not. Well, uh, we are in we the same room. We are in the same room, yes. Yeah, we're literally in the same room I stay in every year as well. Yeah, but, we're uh, basically... I'm so sorry that your apartment's been robbed, Will. <laughs> it does look a little like that this morning. <laughs> I was in a rush um, going to the footy today because we had an early start to get to the President's Lunch of the footy. This is not two guys, one cup. We're so not going like, yeah, like, to talk about it. We'll save it for our other podcast, yeah. what happened today. But we've just got back from us drinking 10 what I thought were mid-strength beers, but might have been full-strength beers. <laughs> the footy, what you so. worked out was how bad an alcoholic you are. <laughs> <laughs> or how good an alcoholic I am. <laughs> But yes, uh, it's good to be in the same room, not over Skype and doing an episode. Uh, yeah. It'll be a shorter one because I have to go and do a show in a little bit. But yeah, so we're in the first week of Comedy Festival in Melbourne. Uh, I am not doing anything funny, but I was down for the Good Friday Appeal because it's Easter. Easter Sunday. Right. What does Easter mean to you? It means a long weekend. Yeah. No, it doesn't really. It means no football on a Friday. It means no footy on a Friday and I have to work all weekend. <laughs> and sometimes people don't come to the shows because it's fucking Easter. It's bullshit. <laughs> I didn't actually, I was trying to work out the other day, why is Easter happening in March this year? And then someone explained to me that Easter is, because you know, you'd think like Easter because it's the death of Christ, like Christmas. It'd be an exact day. Yeah. Yeah. But it's because it's been ripped off a pagan ritual. Right. Which is spring. It's spring in the Northern Hemisphere. Ishtar or something it was originally. I mean, that doesn't doesn't really check out, does it? No. Like you're like, oh, he died. At a random yeah. period of time yeah. within about a month. Yeah. And so I have a chocolate egg. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, look, uh, the Good Friday Appeal, though, is something that you do have done the last few years. Yeah, I love it. Which is a brilliant thing. Explain to people again what the Good Friday Appeal is if there's people listening from interstate or overseas who might not know what the Good Friday Appeal is. So it's a telethon to raise funds to Royal Children's Hospital in Melbourne, which is, I think, if uh, one of the... the the premier children's hospitals uh, in the Southern Hemisphere, like people come from overseas to get their kids treated here. So right. if you want to have a sick kid, Melbourne is the place. Melbourne's the place. Melbourne yeah. or Perth. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> basically the day is, uh, so it's a telethon in which like they bring in, you know, uh, you know, TV personalities and, and footballers and all that kind of stuff. And they uh, just raise funds. And I think there's a record amount this year as well, which is yeah. good. I always get the feeling when, like, because Channel 7 is owned by Kerry Stokes, who's one of the richest men in Australia. Yeah. And I always get the feeling, because the thing about a telethon is you want to top the right. previous year. And I always get the feeling that, you know, if it's heading towards, you know, midnight and they haven't quite got there, Kerry just fishes around the back of the couch, finds a lazy couple of million and slaps it on top. He's got a shelf company. Yeah. He's like, we've got a, a donation here from Jerry Smokes <laughs> uh, of $2 million. Thanks, yeah. Jerry. 
Uh, so the day normally starts with um, you'll do a hospital visit and you'll go and visit uh, the kids in the wards. And the great thing about that is I was someone who, when I was 10 years old, my father spent quite a bit of time in hospital. Mm-hmm. And when you've got a loved one in hospital and they're in there a long time, it can get very uh, claustrophobic because you spend all the time in the wards. So it doesn't feel like you're doing a lot by going in and just having a chat to people and stuff. But when you talk to the families of the people who are in the hospital, you actually realise that even that five minutes or 10 minutes of breaking up the day really means a lot because it's for the five or 10 minutes they're not talking about the illness, they're not talking about, you know, will they, when they're going to get out or anything like that. It's just a distraction. And I think it's, it's the least I can do as someone who doesn't have any kids or, you know, have, you know knock on wood, doesn't it, got anyone who's been in hospital – it's to be able to go there and actually just provide some form of relief from that is, is really good. But it's the actual hospital is amazing. I don't know uh, if, if you've been there recently, but hospitals can be a terrifying place for, right. for not just kids, adults as well. But they have done such a good job in the design of this hospital that it, it feels like a safe place. Like, you know, it's a, a beautifully designed building. The colors are all um, very comforting. It's not like that kind of stark, sterile wall you, you'd be expecting in a, in a hospital. But also the staff there are just incredible. Like these are people who genuinely, I, I think sometimes about my career path and what I've chosen to do and how I don't give anything back. Like it's a very selfish kind of career path. Hey, come on. You've pretended to be a lot of noble professions. (laughs) You've pretended to be a cop. You've pretended to be a teacher. I mean, you've really pretended to be a lot of the most valuable members of society. It it kind of makes me think. Remember that episode of The Simpsons where Lisa... What was your character's job on McLeod's Daughters? I was a jackaroo. Uh, A millionaire jackaroo. I was basically... I was Lachlan Murdoch. (laughs) I hid my millionaire status because I wanted to find a girl who would love me for, you know, my jackarooing skills. Okay. You were Gino Reinhardt. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, but in in other things you've so what else have you played you've played a cop you've played a teacher is there other jobs Uh, i've played a cop i've played a now i'm playing a teacher yeah a a landscape guard winner of like a nescafe big break thing like a junior landscape gardener you could have been you were young jamie jury jury basically basically without the stripping part yeah yeah, we'd skip the stripping <laughs> and you've gone straight to being Jamie Jury. Yeah. Uh, what else have I played? A, a pyromaniac firefighter? You know oh. what? I, actually, See, fire, fi- firefighter is a good, like, that you could have added that to the list. Yeah. Firefighter's a hero, but yeah. you were a pyromaniac firefighter, <laughs> which is about one in every three firefighters, I believe, from television. It, it kind of makes me think of that episode of The Simpsons where, do you remember when uh, Lisa, was, she realized she was a Simpson and she was worried that meant she was going to be dumb. Oh, yeah. And so Homer rounds up all the relatives of The Simpsons to prove her, look, you know, th- th- there's some successful Simpsons. And everyone he grabs is like an idiot. And then he finds a guy who's got like a top hat and a monocle and he's going, well, you look pretty successful. And he's like, yes, I play millionaires at parties. Or at least I'd like to. <laughs> that is kind of how I feel. It's like, yeah, I play all these like, you know, people who, who give back to the community, but I don't have to do anything myself. Uh, so the children's hospital appeal goes from both the kids thing. So when you visit the kids at the hospital, how many kids do you visit? Like how much of that is so it's a couple of, So it's a couple of, well, it's a couple of hours, but yeah. they... They bring in all day people are going in and visit. And you can always tell that, 
you know, I feel like I'm the entree to the AFL players. Like that's gonna, that's yeah. who the kids really want to see is the uh, AFL, AFL is players. Is there ever a time when a kid looks disappointed? Oh, or, a, or a kid does not know who you are? All the time. Yeah, right. All the time. And the worst part of that <laughs> is that, um, you know. Oh, the, someone from Home and Away is coming. Is it Brax or one oh, of the River Gang? Yeah, yeah, totally. I mean, he knows those guys. Uh, is it one of the sexy young teenagers? No, it's the high school teacher. <laughs> Everyone's the, favorite character. <laughs> The more awkward part is that um, you get given uh, your fan cards to go yeah. in and, and sign if someone's an autograph. And sometimes people do and, it, and it's fine. But there's other times you walk in with a handful of photos of yourself and people are staring at you with no idea. And then you'll kind of meekly at the end of an awkward five-minute conversation go, well, do you, you want you don't want to sign? No. You know, I'll just, I'll just leave when I hear. If, yeah. if the table gets wonky, just feel free to fold it up and stick it under the leg of the you table. You know what? Here's a free piece of card. <laughs> do with it what you'd like, to be honest. Yeah, I always feel like that. Sometimes people will wait after the show, like, you know, to say hello or whatever. And often if someone has their phone in their hand, when it's getting towards the end of our moment, Mm. I will say, do you want a photo? And most of the time they do. But every, like, say, once out of, like, every 10 times, there's someone like, oh, no, I was just, like, texting or whatever. And then you're like... Okay. Last last year, Good Friday APL, I was in the green room, which is like this big area at the convention center. And I was sitting at this table, just I think I was on my phone or something, and I saw this uh, like 13-year-old girl come up and she was standing across from me and she held up her phone to take a photo of me. And I said to her, oh, look, I said, you don't have to stand up. If you want a photo, just come over, we'll get a photo. And she just looked at me and said, no, my dad's a sponsor. I was just trying to get a photo of the products on the table to of send the, to him. The logo. Yeah. Dad, dad just wanted to make sure that the merch was being displayed. <laughs> totally. Dad's like, can you just make sure we get a photo for our website, please? And can you tell that dickhead in the background to get out of the way? Yeah, I, in fact, now that you've mentioned it, Charlie, could you just step to the left a little bit? I just want one of the merch, if I could. We were going to have to Photoshop you out, so this is actually quite handy. Yeah. So you do the little visits first. Yeah, the visits first. And then you have... And, and then there's a whole bunch. So you... Because um, the... A lot of the money comes from uh, they, they run an event at the convention center, so they do like there's all these different stages with things. Um, they do OBs like three AW uh, does a broadcast and stuff. In fact, I did an interview with Dennis Walter. He's a nice guy, Dennis. Nice right? guy, but uh, one of the most uh, unfortunate uses uses of a pause when he was chatting to me. He's gone like, "So Charlie, you've done lots of these Good Friday pills, and I yes." And he said, "Charlie, have you ever been touched by your visit to the hospital?" <laughs> And like, there was a moment there, there was a couple of seconds where I was like, where is this going? Hang on. Like, Did you know like, I was Catholic? Yeah. <laughs> you went to classic school, right? <laughs> Have you ever been touched? Have you ever been touched by your visit to the hospital? We ask every third Catholic, <laughs> just in case. We figured that we'll get onto some good story. If we're like, you're Catholic? Yeah. Were you touched? Uh, it is funny, 3AW. I haven't, because I haven't, you know, lived in Melbourne for ages. And how would you describe 3AW as a station? It's well, kind of like... 3AW is uh, the sort of, uh, it's the writer wing, uh, co- like so. There's two news stations basically. There's the ABC, which some people would suggest is like a, a left wing thing. Although the ABC would probably suggest that they try to be a middle of the road, impartial. like for all people impartial. Um, and then there's like 3RW, who is to the right of them. Yeah. Now, people who listen to 3RW t- tend to think that 3RW is the middle, yeah. and that the ABC is the left. Yeah, right. But it's a commercial station. But compared to say the right-wing people in America or compared to, say, even the right-wing people in Sydney, like your Alan Joneses or those sort of people. It's pretty moderate. 3AW is a bit more moderate than yeah. that tradition. But would you, you'd say the demographic is 
people are about to die. <laughs> yeah, right. So, like, it, well, I can always say you can tell what a radio station is yeah. by not listening to the show. Yeah, listen to the commercials. <laughs> the the commercials, like you'll be like retirement funds, right. superannuation. So, you want to plan your own funeral? <laughs> Okay, I'm listening to the wrong radio station. Uh, but the, the funny thing about 3OW is so many ads for arthritis cures. Wow. And so often I'm like, oh, I should get that. So I have arthritis <laughs> and I'm like, well, maybe this is the right station. So they have an entertainment show hosted by oh, uh, Luke Dennehy, who's a, uh, he writes for the Herald He's Sun a, down here. He was a gossip columnist. Well, he is a gossip columnist for an entertainment writer, probably he would say. Yeah. But he's very much in that gossipy entertainment thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and Very much Bru- a showbiz sort with of. With Bruce, Bruce, oh, what's his name? Bru- As of Bruce and Phil? Yes, Bruce, Bruce and Phil, yeah. yeah. So I I, I, popped I think his last name is Enfield. Enfield. So I popped in to do their show. And, Bruce Mansfield. Uh, and, I, and I was like, oh, this is like a, oh, Bruce Mansfield, that's right. And I was like, oh, this is like interesting because like Luke is probably my age, but yeah. significantly younger than these two guys. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting dynamic they've got here with the two older blokes and the young guy. And then it sort of became apparent what Luke's function was because Bruce was chatting to me, lovely guy, and we were talking about home and away and asking questions about, you know, uh, what's, you know, getting into acting in the industry in general and stuff. And then he's like, is it a good pathway for people to go to Hollywood? And I said, well, yeah, I think since, you know, uh, you know, Chris Hemsworth is a perfect example of, you know, where the show can leverage your career. And Luke turned to him and said, uh, that's Chris Hemsworth. He's a, and I'm like, oh, oh, you don't know who probably Chris the biggest Wentz- star in the world is right yeah, now. Yeah. It's like comic books. Have you heard of comic books? Yeah. So a comic book is a thing yeah. that used to be written down, but they the now funny, make The into, funny pages. Right. You probably know them as the funny pages. Yeah. You know Batman, right? Yeah. Well, he's in this new movie where he's versus Superman, who's the <laughs> alien one. And Bruce, God bless him, towards the end, because uh, uh, Luke sort of mentioned that I'm a filmmaker and that, you know, Jeremy and I are making a film this year. And he's gone, oh, well, you'll be pleased to know that any name some actor that I've never heard of has gone, he's uh, back in Australia and he's working on a film right now. And I looked at Luke and Luke's gone, uh, Man from Snowy River. <laughs> and I was like, oh, oh, the film that I was five when it came out. <laughs> you, you and Gemma are like, you know who we really need? Someone from the Man, Man from, from Snowy, Snowy River. River. Yeah. Get me Clancy of the Overflow. <laughs> Who was Jack Thompson, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah so I'd love to get you'd Jack be able to, Yeah, you'd love to have Jack in your movie. Yeah, well, you know, I wouldn't because we'll have a lot of females on set and before you know it, Jack's got them living together. Maybe married to eight of them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah eight, eight female people at the end, you're like wives of Jack. Yeah. <laughs> the cult of Tomo. Uh, who would be? Because that's the thing that Tarantino does a lot. I mean, obviously. Who's John- the rov- whose career would you revive? Yeah, you, Paul Hogan you- is the obvious one. Paul Hogan is due. Someone will wise up and cast Paul Hogan in a role that will make people oh because for a very brief moment he was Australia he was everything that people think of when they think of Australia laconic not super good looking but good looking enough charming charming yeah Yeah. like I think I mean if you think about what Tarantino does with uh, you know Robert Forster's or you know Kurt Russell's you know stars from the 70s and 80s if you're talking about the Australian equivalent I mean who else would there be like Tom Berlinson um Yahoo serious, I guess. Oh, that'd be good though. No, but I guess Jack Thompson is the he was the biggest star in Australia for I mean if you really a couple put, of decades. if you put Yahoo serious in a serious role. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like yeah. that's the thing you gotta do. Serious gets serious. You know what you could maybe do with Paul Hogan is like a And he mu- changes his name to Yahoo humorous <laughs> for his serious roles. I need to be billed Yahoo humorous. Yahoo ponderous. Yeah. <laughs> But I reckon what you could do with a Paul Hogan is what Michael Keaton did with Birdman is if someone wrote a film that was about, 
an Australian comedian who was a huge star right. and has since fallen on hard times and is now having an ex- existential crisis. Like, give because I don't think Hoax has ever. Well, at the Anzacs is probably the only time Hoax went kind of drama-ish. Or yeah, it, I mean, it's a long. He certainly hasn't done anything in his kind of later days. And the great thing about Paul Hogan, like, I mean, if people have never seen his Oscars. Like there was a year where he he was he nominated for best screenplay and he didn't host the Oscars. No, but it was but one he of those came years out and did where a, they had like a various a, like yeah. a bunch of people and he did this like thing that you can you can find online. It's very funny and it's one of the better Oscar moments of all time. Just and he's got the whole audience in the palm of his hand. Yeah. And when I think about that in retrospect, it's huge because that's like me. I mean, really, that'd be like if you and I made a movie because that's what happened. Him and Strop made a movie you know him and his best mate made a movie and it became this superstar thing mm. and then suddenly you're presenting at the oscars but not only did he present at the oscars but he fucking nailed killed. It. killed he killed yeah like and was, he was there as a no, an oscar nominated screenwriter right the guy from the sketch comedy show kind of be like i don't know like uh, it'd be like if Michael Veach <laughs> from Fast Forward was suddenly nominated for an oscar who was well, that oh, Eric Banner I guess i mean he was the biggest Who's the biggest sketch comedy? Yeah, Eric. Or Chris Lilly, I guess. Magda Zabansky. Magda Zabansky, one of those kind of guys. Yeah, uh, but well, Rebel Wilson, I guess, is that as well. Yeah. Like, I mean, there's a couple of... Well, Chris Lilly. Chris Lilly, you know, he kind of but, creates shows around him. But you would say, and no disrespect to Chris, because I think Chris, in a body of work as a, like, a writer-performer, has probably done more than Rebel. Mm. And again, no disrespect to Rebel, but Rebel's a bigger star than Chris is. Oh, internationally, Internationally. Like, yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, and like, I, mean, I guess I was just trying to think of... She did that speech at the BAFTAs. Did you see that speech? There no. was a little bit of controversy because she talked about her trans face and a couple of things. But it was a... Her what face? Trans face. What's a trans like, face? Well, she was saying that she wanted to do a serious role and she's already practicing her trans... Like, <laughs> oh, so when she's cast as a, she's cast a as trans, trans character. <laughs> and, she, like, and it was a play on the Eddie Ray, Raymaine yeah, thing yeah, yeah. or whatever. But some people got pissed off about it. But I, I thought it was I believe actually, he's Eddie Redmayne. Redmayne? Yeah. Yeah, okay, sure. Yeah. Whatever. <laughs> okay, sure. W- that- whatever it is. <laughs> Fucking Mr. I'll do another role for an Oscar next year. Yeah, that's a thing about him, Eddie isn't Redmayne it? Eddie Redmayne as the volleyball from Castaway 2. <laughs> There's just... Something about his acting that I don't, I don't buy. Like I'm, I find him to be very skillful, but in both his Oscar-nominated roles, I found them to be very. What's the? I guess the words like self-aware or something. Right. I feel very conscious of the little idiosyncrasies he's built into the character. I mean, he's very good at doing he's that. He's brilliant, but, but I don't buy them measured. as a real person. Well, what the thing I think is he's very good at, he's like one of those people who's technically very good. Yes. He gets everything right, but almost that's the problem. Yeah. Like, you know those old ads, I think I've talked to you about them before, which were like these late night ads I had in in Victoria for acting classes, and they were doing a scene in the ad. So you came into the scene, and it's these people having quite a dramatic scene, and then they would stop the scene, and this guy would turn the camera. Have I never talked (laughs) about this? No. It was the best. So basically, you're watching an ad late at night, only ever late at night, and then there's suddenly this dramatic scene where this guy and this woman are getting into this shit and you're like what is going on what is this ad for and then this guy turns to the camera and says the actor in the scene yeah and says hi we're acting oh my god (laughs) really yeah wow and he and he's like and if you want to you know be an actor it was like it was a for an acting school yeah it was for an acting school what acting school i can't remember but i remembered (laughs) the the where actors the bit where he was like hi we're acting (laughs) it was my favorite thing and I feel sometimes... Does like, anyone who watch, uh, watches an ad go, oh, these are all documentaries? Don't you sort of just like... Isn't that the kind of understood agreement when you watch commercials that they're all actors? Well... The fact that he needs to state it. 
I always feel with Eddie Redmayne that um, he's letting you know any, he's any acting. Any moment he could turn to the screen and go, "Hi, yeah, I'm acting. Yeah, look how good I am at acting. I, I, I'm, I'm Stephen Hawking or a woman." It's controversial, but I actually find that with Kate Blanchett sometimes. I think she's amazing, sure. and there's some roles where you know she's, I, she's a living, breathing character, and she can do. Nat- I like her natural characters. Mm. I I think I agree with you when she's being someone or someone historical or someone blah blah blah. Yeah. I used to think this with Judy Davis. I'd watch Judy Davis movies and I wouldn't like them because Judy Davis was clearly a much better actor than the rest of the cast and it actually made you realise that they were all acting. Yeah. Whereas if everyone kind of is of the same mm. acting quality, mm. is that a weird thing to say? No, I think that- I, I, no, I understand exactly what you mean and it is that Eddie Redmayne, Kate Blanchett thing which is they're so technically proficient. Right. If you have them alongside an actor who's more naturalistic like a Mark Ruffalo or something like that then I think is he Ruffalo? Ruffalo? I don't know Ruffalo? Shit I don't know, I don't know. You say <laughs> we, are, we are butchering I some actors so now. you say Red Man Red Mame Remember? Remame Remame let's uh, blow the whole thing off but yeah someone like that who seems to be quite natural and you know everything he does is sort of a variation on what he seems to be you know himself then I think someone like Kate Blanchett whose accent changes dramatically her posture which is all amazing look I'm not as I'm not an actor who um, I don't. I see myself more in that kind of naturalism kind right. of way. I don't see myself as a very technically proficient actor. I can do accents and stuff, but I don't transform in a role like a Tom Hardy or a Kate Blanchett or any of those kind of guys. I think it's. I, I don't know if it's a choice. I just think it's a skill set. It's probably no different to comedy. You know, like the way you, your stage presence. Some comedians are kind of like uh, uh, you know storytellers. Others are kind of like rapid fire joke. It's just. Everyone has their own gear. I mean, sometimes you see someone who's so... I mean, Judith Lucy, who I admire as much as anybody in comedy, but you see her show and there's almost not... um, Like, she'll do some crowd work, which is spontaneous, obviously, but when you actually get to the show, she's thought so much about every line and how every line should be delivered and how precise everything should be. You almost walk away with it, not only with an admiration of what it is that she's doing, but mm. like a real showcase of the craft. Yeah. Whereas like you can watch somebody else and kind of like Billy Connolly, part of the appeal is it never feels like it's craft. Yeah. It feels like he's walking out there and talking off the top of his head for three and a half hours. I always, so. find, I always find that the most impressive thing. Like any time I've had to do any kind of like presenting or anything that's not acting where I've had to be myself, I always like, I, f- I find it like I get sort of panicky. Like I find it a lot, harder apart from podcasting but anything on tv i always find myself like even when i was doing the panel on friday night it's like you know i just sort of don't even remember what i'm saying or doing i just kind of i don't feel comfortable while i'm up there i'm just sort of throwing words out of my mouth and then i was talking to jules lund on my other podcast and um i was saying you know i think what people love about you is you you're just so you on camera and he's like i'm not he's gone that's not at all what i'm like he said he said, I'm not the funniest guy, I'm not the smartest guy, I'm not the quickest guy, but I will do so much preparation before, like, we're talking about the Logie's red carpet. And I say, you know, I was saying, you know, you, you'll just grab someone though and you'll have this banter. And he's gone, yep, I've thought of like four questions before I turned up. He's gone, that's what I had to work on because I'm not quick or smart or funny as other people, that I just do all the prep and then where I, my skill comes in is making it look like I've just thought of it, which is fucking brilliant. Like, it is a, it's something that I just... I just assumed when I see great, you know, TV personalities or, or whatever that, oh, they're just naturally very comfortable in front of the camera and, you know, they can uh, build rapport really easily. Never dawned on me that maybe they do some fucking homework like, you know, anyone else would. 
uh, tell me this, who are you on the panel with? Because you so what happens is there's a television show where people like will donate money, mm. they'll like send in pledges and stuff like that. And so what they have is these sort of panels where people read out pledges and like do things in between yeah. acts and stuff like yeah. that. Yeah, so uh, the, I, was on a, I was on two panels. So the first okay. one was a couple of MKR uh, people who I didn't really right, get rules. to meet. Yeah, um, and then a girl from an actress from Eight Hundred Words, Melina Vidler, who's lovely. Okay, and the host of the, I was Pete Mitchell and um, Edwina Bartholomew from. Well, Pete's a newsreader in Melbourne, and she's uh-huh. on Sunrise. Okay, I think was she there? She's a newsreader on Sunrise now. Sure, she's be the weather person. And then Samantha Jade was to my left. Oh. Uh, who's an X Factor winner, and, and she's got an interesting story. She played Kylie Minogue in the yeah. uh, In Excess film. Yeah, she was. She's not a well. She's just a singer. But uh, when they were making this In Excess telly movie, this casting agent thought she looked like enough like Kylie Minogue to cast her. She's actually pretty good. She's saying that you know, acting. She's still trying to work out. She's on. She did a little stint on Home and Away, and she's still trying to work out you know what acting is. But she really likes it. But she told me this story. I had no. I didn't really know much about her. That when she was fifteen. Um, you know, she'd sort of sung all her life. When she was 15, uh, some producer in the States uh, discovered her online or, or saw her play and so flew her out to New York to develop her. And she was signed to um, Rise, who were like a big record company. And it was at the time when Britney was kind of on the skids a bit and everyone was saying to her, like, you're going to be the next Britney, like you're our, our new pop star. And she right. had like the best songwriters, the best management and – her family flew out from Perth and they're all living in New York and she was all poised to, and then Rise got bought by another record company and then they cut like half their, half the talent off the list. And so she kind of flew back to, uh, she, I think her parents went back to Perth. She went to LA and was that classic sort of LA story. It's like, well, there's all, there's something coming up. Just, can you stick around? Can you stick around? So she said that, you know, she was doing things like she was singing vocals on Glee. So when, you know, Glee would do their episodes, oh, yeah. she was just one of the vocalists. And then she said she just kind of got to a point where she's like, I've been away from home for seven years. And that thing that I thought was going to happen hasn't happened. I just need to go home. So she went back to Perth and her dad works for a mining company, of course, was in Australia. Well, I mean, it's the only job you can have. You can work for a mining company or sell $7 coffees, or play for the West Coast Eagles. Or, or manufacture those little shark's tooth necklaces on leather straps. That's it. They're your four jobs. <laughs> Welcome to Perth. Here's one of your four jobs that you can choose. <laughs> so she said that um, she... Do you love selling opals? Well, fuck <laughs> off to the East Coast then. <laughs> so she said she came back and just... She was so over it, she just wanted a normal job, so she just worked on the factory floor. She just went and worked for her dad. Very Springsteen. And then uh, after a year of that, she's like, I think I want to get back into entertainment. Essentially, her her life is eight mile. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's when she said that to me. That's what I thought. I was like, I imagined her sitting on a bus with a beanie writing lyrics into right. her hand. Yeah, Samantha Jade just going, if only I could get on the X Factor. Yeah. And then, yeah, so 2012, she won X Factor. and then Ironically enough, with uh, vomit on her sweater. <laughs> so <laughs> I didn't see her eating any spaghetti that night. Thank God. So that was the first panel. And then it swapped out. Is to, she hot, by the way? Samantha she's very Jade? cute. Yeah, very yeah, cute. Yeah, she strikes me as someone that I think I would find hot. She actually does look like Kylie. Like, it's yeah, you can really see it. There's I a, find Kylie Minogue a bit hot. Yeah, definitely. I know that's a weird thing. To, well, is it really is it a weird, weird thing to well, say? No, I think that's I've why never, they acknowledge she's an attractive woman. I don't know if it is. I, I think that Kylie's always been one of those people. That kind oh, is of it cute? Is that what you're saying? Rather than oh, yeah. like, it's not like you've well, ever. Which of your male friends, like of all the people that people are like, oh, so and so is sexy. Yeah, no and, one ever says Kylie. Yeah, Kylie's not that she was a you know she was a very 
like she did. She's great, cute, and she's had a great career. Yeah, but I don't know if she was ever like a massive sex symbol, was she? Um, what well, is it? Madonna? Oh, Madonna's a sex symbol. Madonna was, and Madonna well, was uh, a bit is, more is, what is Br- like what? Uh, aren't, I mean, aren't all pop stars by nature kind of sex symbols? Like, is Taylor Swift a sex symbol? Well, my point is that they try to do it. Like, I mean, I remember with the hot pants. You know, yeah, that that, was, that music that was video sexy, spinning around, spinning around. Yeah, and that was hot. but that but that's kind of weird because it's like to make you sexy, we're just literally going to put the camera on your ass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, this is the West and we respect women and we don't make them dress in burkas. What we make them do to sell records is take off their clothes. Tiny, golden, <laughs> hot pants. Uh, yeah, no, I've always thought, I mean, I was a Neighbours fan when I was a kid. Like I, I, the Scott and Charlene year was probably, uh, that you know, era was probably the time that I watched it. So I was way into um, her. I always thought she was cute. She was, I want to actually... Of all my sort of teenage crushes, would it have been was Kylie? No, she probably didn't because she was a tomboy on Neighbours. Right, she, she was, was um, Charlene. She was a mechanic. She yeah, had overalls. She, yeah. And even in her first few singles, right, she wasn't really sexy. She was still Low cute and bubbly and all that. Sort she had of the stuff. perm. It wasn't, yeah, yeah. It wasn't until I guess uh, Michael Hutchins. I yes, think she became sexy yeah. when she started because before that she felt like she was girl next door. Yeah, like even when she better was, the devil you know and all that. Yeah, and when she started getting a bit sexier. Yeah, yeah. you're right actually. So basically, if you want to be a pop star, you need to get uh, Michael Hutchins to fuck some sexy into you. Right. <laughs> Michael Hutchins will fuck some sexy into you. That was his greatest gift. Yeah. He was a great singer, but really his passion was fucking sexy into people. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, he was always like, you know what? Mention the music, but what my real interest is, is fucking sexy into people. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's interesting to me, like that t- childhood crush. Who was yours? Like, did you? Who was like when? Say you when you were a teenager, and there, was there an ideal, like sort of girl in that world that was like kind there was of a, your? There's, I'm trying to think. The, the one that there was a there was a host. My earliest memory, like three or four, there was. Do you remember? There's a game show that went. Um, we're gonna ring on your door, ring on your bell, knock on your door, tap on your window. Too. What's it called? I mean, I remember that song, but I'm not sure. Catch us if you can, and they put you in a, a like a glass booth at the end, and you have to catch cash. Oh well, I mean, I remember seeing people. What do was that. her name? Was it Tiffany Lamb? Oh yeah, okay. Does that make? Does that ring a bell? Yeah, I think so. There was anyway. There's a host. No, Melissa. Melissa anyway, uh, okay. Melissa Hannon. Melissa Hannon. That's her name. There was a hostess. That my family used to With tease me because I was three or four years old, right. but I would go into the living room when that show was on and literally like plant my face, her. yeah, yeah, and get little fucking four year old boners and right. stuff as well. Like, and it was just that was I remember sort of being completely confused by yeah. it because I was just you don't know why. No, I was just entranced by her. I thought she was the most beautiful woman, but then I can't really think if there was yeah no there, do you remember an ad for do you remember cool charm deodorant it's like a roll-on deodorant <laughs> no. you, may, you may remember this ad because okay, they played for ages yeah. but so there's this ad in the like early 90s in which a dude a sexy shirtless calvin klein type model dude is broken down on the side of the road mm-hmm. and this car pulls up and out gets this sexy model <laughs> and his radiator is overheated oh. and so she walks over and raises I think the I hood do remember this. and she rolls the cool charm deodorant across his radiator and it right. cools down and she kind of gives him a wink and gets into her car 
I was in love with that girl. <laughs> she was super hot. And because I had older sisters who all bought Cleo and Dolly and stuff. She was a model at the time. I don't know who she was, but I would find her in these magazines. She'd just be doing like, you know, uh, uh, spreads and stuff. So I cut out all those pictures and I had her stuck all over my wall. Be interested to know who she is, actually. Um, Alison... No, 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 no. No, that's not what she, who she Allison, was. Yeah, that's but was uh, that Cameron, Cameron Dado's wife. Is it still Cameron Dado's yeah. wife? I'm pretty sure, yeah. there was. I know there was some trouble at some stage. Oh, was there? Yeah, I, mean, I think he might have fucked around for a bit. And oh, then, really? Yeah. Allegedly? No, no, I think. Okay, no. I, think I feel confident not saying allegedly. <laughs> okay. Uh, but whatever happened, you know, I mean, hopefully they worked it out or yeah. whatever. But um, You had a crush on her? I had a crush on her. That's funny because that. she doesn't strike me as your type because she's kind of blonde all like, you know. Uh, not my type at all. No, no, not what I would go for at all now. Oh, but back then, back yeah, back then I was like I had a big crush. I thought Joe Bailey was pretty hot too when I was a kid. Stephen Savani's wife. Stephen Savani's wife. Yes, when she was uh, the she was the the co-host of Sale of the Century. Is that right? Yep. Yeah, Sale of the Century. Yeah, I think so. She was like the what? Not the co-host. That's yeah. very generous. Oh, wow, really? What, what do you call her Didn't then? Didn't she just like run the gift shop and stuff? <laughs> yeah. I suppose that's right. I suppose that's like walking into the foyer of like News Limited right. and going, oh yeah, this girl, uh, she runs News Limited. Yeah. No, nah, she's the receptionist. No, no, no. She <laughs> runs a merch in the gift shop. She sells the newspapers yeah. in the gift shop on the way out. But yeah. is that actually, in, yeah, I mean, the the man was always hosting, the, asking the questions. So who was it? Tony Barber, then Glenn Ridge, right? Uh, Tony Barber, Glenn Ridge. Yes. And then so I think she was the someone Glenn else Ridge. after that. She was the Glenn Ridge era. Right. But I always, yeah, I always thought she was My favorite era. The Glen Ridge era? Yeah. No. I've talked to you about this before. My favorite thing ever on TV was Glen Ridge because on Sale of the Century, every night the opening question was they go through some little personal detail of that person's yeah. career. They'd be like, uh, tonight's guest is Charlie Clawson. He um, is a big fan of St. Kilda Football Club. He uh, once blah, 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 and he did blah, blah, blah this, right? And the, every time that Glen Ridge did not believe what the last thing was, it was it was perfect. Every week he'd be like, uh, this is Charlie Clawson. Lawson, he backs for the St Kilda Football Club, and he believes he'll be the first Australian on the moon. And then Glenn Ridge would go, good luck with that. <laughs> and whenever he said good luck with that, that just meant that is never going to fucking happen. Do you watch, uh, did you watch trivia game shows or do you watch trivia game shows? Yeah, I, I like a trivia game show. I go all right. Yeah. Oh, do you? Yeah. As a play at home person, I go all right. Yeah, but are you doing the buzzing sort of? Yeah. Other? I mean, if, if we're sitting around with friends and mm. stuff, I will buzz in. And I'm actually pretty good. I'm actually surprised with my general knowledge. I'm actually pretty have, good. No, you have pretty good general knowledge. Yeah. I can imagine you... Like, um, uh, who wants to be a millionaire? Not that good at. Because it's... I think I work better with a higher stri- like a higher strike rate. Give me lots of opportunities because they've got to... They've got to have cover much more ground on a show like Sale of the Century right. because it's it's a faster show. You have more general knowledge. More general knowledge. Yeah. But with uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, I can never I can never really get past the first or second question generally. Did you ever uh, be in a pub where they have the – there's an arcade version of Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? Yep. It's good, right? Oh, man, I, I love, love playing that one. <laughs> I love trivia nights. Yeah, I'm, right. I'm into all that shit. Um, have you ever seen Eggheads? Do you know what that show is? No. <laughs> I'm obsessed with egg. What is it? Uh, Amy and I both love eggheads. Uh, I got her into it, and it's like rare. You know, Amy. Mm. So re- it's rare that something I love she will adopt as something that she also loves. Because normally, because I love it, it's already too daggy for her to love. Uh, but eggheads is this British quiz show where there is no prize. 
So it's a proper like BBC, yeah, right. like British quiz show. Yeah. And there's this team of quiz champions called the Eggheads. And they're all this like, they're like essentially uh, Suicide Squad if they were all old nerdy people. Yeah, right. So they're like, literally they all look like sort of villains. Of so is that what they've kind of... That's what they're doing on Seven now, it's right? Kind the chase. Of, it's a bit like the chase, but but less, more, more legit. It's the chase without all the, the bullshit the, of bull- the chase. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like the, the characters. It's literally one of those things where they go, "We've got the five smartest people in like yeah. Britain, yeah, and your home team." So it's all people whose cricket club or like local trivia club or whatever, and you come on and you challenge. The eggheads, right. right? So basically, early on, people go one on one. So there'll be like, oh, it's a sport round or it's an entertainment round. So you, as the challengers, there's one of your team that can go one on one against the eggheads. And whatever your expertise is. And whoever, or... and you can choose someone of the eggheads that you think won't be good in yeah, that area. Right. So if you know the eggheads, various. And strengths. is it the same eggheads every week? Pretty much. Right. Yeah. There's probably seven eggheads. That they rotate through. That they through. rotate through five places. And, and do they all have sort of specific strengths right, and okay. stuff? Yeah. That's they, good. I like that. Right. But they're mostly, to be honest, all pretty smart on everything. Okay. And it's one of those shows where it's rare to see the eggheads not win. Right. Like pretty much every week the eggheads win, right? Yeah. But um, so it's one-on-one at the start. But the idea is whoever loses the one-on-one rounds is eliminated. So you want to keep as many of your team as possible for when you go into the final round where everyone gets the confer okay. on each question, okay. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So often it ends up being like one guy from his bowling team up against five eggheads. <laughs> <laughs> but it is nice when they can knock out an egghead on the way. And I love it. It's yeah. like it has no prize. It has no point, but it's just like a... Is it hard? Like, yeah, pretty hard. Yeah. Oh, no. It's it's got a good mix. Right. It's got that sort of thing of like there's always a couple that you're like There's some pop culture stuff mixed in with some like history and, yeah, yeah, and then yeah. there's a couple of real tough ones that, you know, yeah. make you really think about it. I wonder actually with being like a, a good at trivia you know, because they say there's no such thing as like a photographic memory, but there's people who definitely have better memory than other people on I wonder if if it is a skill that can be developed. I mean I have good general you know the human internet i have good general trivia retention i mean i would say of everyone i know you have the best i i don't know anyone who has the recall of dialogue and songs and shit that you do I, in fact i find it amazing <laughs> even when we talk about footy you you know what everyone's like number was what round they did like i watched that game today <laughs> and if you quiz me on the people who did the best and went what number was he that just has already fallen out of my mind yeah. like it just I was thinking about this on the way to the game today because I was listening to uh, Two Guys, One Cup, our podcast. And I was like, because I literally said to you, I was like, I want to listen to an AFL podcast. (laughs) And I Googled AFL and our podcast came up and I was like, fuck it, let's see what we said. And chances are you don't remember what we talked about. I did not remember (laughs) much of it, to be honest. In fact, there were jokes people had been tweeting about it on the internet that I didn't get. That I was like, what was that Danikian thing? But... (laughs) (laughs) But the thing that I realized is I'm terrible with like numbers and stuff like that whereas you're very good with that i think i only know amy's phone number i don't think i know uh, and my parents phone number which yeah. is the oh, phone no, number I'd, I grew be, up. I'd be about the same do you I, know my phone number no i don't know yours i don't no. even know what numbers it has in it no I like I, I i i'm gonna try and guess the first four yeah, digits it guess. should be easy just guess because there's only like yeah. four options oh four one four no. Fuck. <laughs> All right. You guess mine. Um, 0414? Yeah. <laughs> the eggheads win. 
Uh, let me have another guess then. Oh four, oh four, oh oh four, oh four. No. Oh four, five four. No. Is it oh four two four? No. What the fuck? Oh four, oh six. Is that a is that legal? Can you be an 0406? Well, I am. I've never heard of an 0406. Yeah, 0406. I think you've been marked by ASIO, dude. I don't know. I don't. I've, That's my number. Has that been your number? It's been my number for like 10 years. You're an 0406? Yeah. I've never heard of an 0406. Well, I am an 0406. Yeah, you're definitely being classified by the government. There's I something's did. going on. But I, like, I know Justin has three sevens in his phone number. But I don't know what the rest of it is. But I know when I see something that comes up with three sevens, it's Justin. Do you have any numbers that are co- uh, like after the 0406? Are there any numbers that occur more than once? I don't know. Oh, and in, in mine, yours, yeah. in mine. As in that are in the 0406? No, no, after that. Like, is there any, like, what's the, is there a number that's common? Uh, there's three sixes. Okay. Oh, hang on. Six, six, six. <laughs> I, I never realized so that. So four sixes in it's total. A, it's Easter Sunday. Are we giving people cl- uh, no. close to enough information to there's, hack into your phone right now? There's three sixes in total. Okay, right, right, yeah, right. In my phone number. Yeah. Yeah. No, I would not know that. Six is the most, uh, I think, of any number. I would not know that. Number. But, but, I, but I have... But we live in an era... I mean, I live in the cell phone era. Like, by the time I was old enough to have friends to right. call, there was cell phones. Cell but that's crazy, that, isn't mobile it? Mobile phones, yeah. Like, in the old days, you would know heaps of numbers. And now... I can, can you still remember call, your home number from being well, a kid? My, my parents' home number is still the exact same home number. Yeah. That's... 95961559. That was my home number when I was a kid. I won't say mine because you would literally be able to yeah. read my parents' I don't still. know. I don't know. Don't call that one. I don't know who lives there now. <laughs> they might not appreciate it. I have uh, three numbers I know. I know Amy's mobile. I know um, my nana's home number and I know my parents' home number. Yeah, I know Gemma's number. I know my mum's number. And I think I know my brother. Oh, I used to know my brother's number. I don't know my work number. If I have to call the office, I know that. Yeah, I wouldn't even know that. Yeah. I have no idea. Yeah, it's weird though because we don't – I mean, it's that thing I now. used to know my management's number but then they changed numbers and I haven't bothered learning the new one. It's funny. I just rang the old one for a couple of years while they still had the <laughs> thing that diverted it and now they've changed that and now I just wait till they ring me. Sometimes, <laughs> sometimes I'll read scripts, um, not just for Home and Away but you know, for other auditions and yeah. stuff where there'll be a scene where someone answers a phone and they'll answer, it'll be written that they go, hello, and I'm like, well, that never happens. Right. Because everyone looks at the number on their phone. The only way it happens like, is if it's unlisted or it's a number you don't recognize. In which case people don't answer it. In which case they don't answer it. <laughs> That's true, isn't it? And I now have sort of got to the point where I can tell when it's like uh, the mobile phone company calling because my bill's late or whatever because they're all state-specific. So I know if it's an 08, it's like, oh, yeah, that's Optus. Don't answer well, that one. The Bulldogs, um, I was doing a thing for them the other day. They are, And so it was like a press thing that they'd arranged uh, talking about the footy. And they said, do you mind if the journalist has your mobile? And I was like, I don't mind at all because here's what I know about me. Regardless of who it is, yeah, if right. I don't answer, if I don't recognise that number, there is no way I'm answering that call. That's funny. This guy last night, I was out, um, wanted to get a photo, and uh, he was really nervous and he had an old phone and his camera wasn't working. And then it was too dark, and so I said, "You know what?" I said, "How about I take the photo and I'll just text it to you." And then one of my friends was like, "Well, you don't want to give him your number, do you?" I'm like, "It's fine because if he I'm, calls, I'm not answering. I'm it. not answering. Right? It. It'll go to voicemail, and then I'll know. Oh, definitely don't answer that right. call." It's yeah, like then you'll have it in your phone as do not answer. And I kind of did say to him, "This is you know when you get my number, please don't write it onto any toilet right. blocks." 
Um, Oops. I occasionally get a, a weird call out of the blue. Like I've had occasionally at a party on a Saturday night, like um, as in like I'm not at the party, but clearly someone has, a party. has your number and like – some kids have got together and decided to call you. Oh, really? Like, yeah, occasionally. I mean, oh, maybe right. only like twice or three times well, a year. But it does happen every now and again that I wake up with like what is clearly a bunch of like drunk teenage kids going, woo, That's so funny. But again, I don't really care because I never answer it. That, so. that, that happened to me once when we're doing Blue Healers. We shot out in Castlemaine for a few days. And then I remember it was like two weeks later and I got a text from someone, presumably a woman, saying, hey, uh, you know, is it cool if we meet at this bar, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry, like, I don't recognize this number. And she was Who like... this? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Sup. She was like, uh, you know, it's so-and-so. And I was like, so-and-so? And she said, yeah, from um, Castlemaine. And I was like, oh, okay. And I definitely had not handed right. out my number to anyone. But, you know, there's crew there, there's call sheets. Right. It's not beyond the realm of possibility. And then she's gone, oh, I'm sorry, wrong number. Oh, but hey, would you like to go out for a drink anyway? And I'm like, oh. wow, something's telling me this. <laughs> this wasn't a missed dial. Hang on. I think you knew whose number you were texting. <laughs> sorry, wrong number, but what are you up to? <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't even think of that. That never happens. <laughs> you don't miss dial someone and then ask if they want to go for a drink. No, I always do that. <laughs> Uh, who is this? Uh, anyway, what are you doing? <laughs> the, what are you up to? I'm the world's loneliest man. You just call people randomly out of your phone and ask them if they'd like to meet you for a drink. Hang on, I dialed three sevens. And I, is this Justin Hamilton? No? Uh, do you want to go for a drink anyway? Where do you live? <laughs> so if your phone got blanked for some reason and you couldn't bring up any names, you'd be kind of fucked, right? Amy would be the one person you could call. Yeah, but I'm, that's all I would need to. To be honest. Yeah, I guess. Cause like, then, I mean, everything else is traceable, like, you know, immediately. All right. So just say for whatever reason, Amy's away or you right. can't call her okay. and your phone's been wiped mm-hmm. and you need to call someone. Yeah. Who, what do you do? Who, who do I need to call though? Well, I guess, uh, you, all right, you need to, you need to make a flight because you're going somewhere. So you need to kind of call someone to say, you're running late. Can you hold the taxi or whatever? Blah, blah, blah. Who am I ringing? Well, would you be able to Give call? Me a would you example. be able to call Token off the top of your head? No. You know what you do? You just Google it. I Google it. Right. There's I mean, enough. You have enough publicly listed contacts. They're a public company. Yeah. Right. I could just Google their number and ring them. Yeah. And then just get them to arrange everything. <laughs> have you ever, um, where you get an unknown number, then you put it into Google to see who's calling? Have you oh, ever tried that? No, I've never yeah, done that. That's interesting. I've never done that. Yeah. So yeah. You've done that. What did you do that for? Uh, you know, because sometimes you'll get a call, particularly if it's a persistent call. Mm-hmm. I'm like, uh, I just want to check that this is... And does it come up? Yeah. Sometimes it comes up as like a marketing company or, or whatever. Interesting. My mum used to get hassled all the time by con men on the phone. Like, I don't know how these gangs target, but they seem to know the who the elderly vulnerable... So there's a list. Right. So what happens is there may have been some time where she had... Uh, been susceptible to some sort of con. Yeah, she was. So what, she, she got. Oh, okay. She had right. a, a company called her and said they were from the internet company. They needed to go check her. Okay. Is your internet running? If you give us your credit card details, and you know, my mum being of a generation right. where the internet is might as well be magic, yeah. gave the details, and then it was funny because I would stay with her and her phone would ring and she just wouldn't answer it. And like, why? She's like, ah, oh, 
It's just some con artist. And you said it with like the kind of res- resign- resigning tone that this happens all the time. Right. And then I sort of just became aware, oh, yeah, that they target the elderly. Well, once you've been conned, there is literally, I believe, from what I've like read about this and kind of heard about this, is that you kind of almost go on a, like a con artist List. registry yeah, yeah. of being a susceptible person. And that's why you see on these TV shows when people are ripped off by dating companies or you know Nigerian princesses or whatever, yeah. they tend to be targeted over and over because you've yeah. kind of found that vulnerable person who believes things. So, yeah. yeah, it's horrible. I mean, it's horrible that... I mean, I guess these people are criminals and that's their job to target the susceptible, but it almost makes them even seem worse because you're like, you can't even, you you got to get a list. Oh, you didn't even find your own susceptible person. Yeah. What do you, what do they they call it? Not a target. You're uh, what do you call it in a con? It's like your, um, the mark, the mark. Yeah. Got to find your own mark. Yeah. I I mean, I was there a couple of times and they rang and it was great. It was great fun to answer and take the call. Oh, of course. Because it was generally, um, you know, it was it would be a call center in India or something, and this guy would be, you know, God, I am calling from Optus, and then it's like, okay, sure. So what's specifically the detail? Right, and he's like, you have to pay this amount, otherwise we sue you. And you're like, I don't, I don't, I well, can you send me some kind of documentation that says this is going to happen? But I guess again, like like me with trivia, it's just a way to numbers thing. You know, they'll just they'll try, try, try. They get knocked back. They'll find someone who eventually will give them a payday. Well, it's essentially the equivalent of that, like guy that you knew, like you know, when we were going through sort of that puberty into meeting women thing, and you always had one mate who's basically his like uh, attitude to women was he would ask every single yeah. woman he ever met if they wanted to have sex, yeah. based on the principle that even if one in fifty <laughs> yeah. said yes, that was still a pretty good strike rate yeah. compared to the rest of us, and he was willing to put up with forty nine rejections. <laughs> that guy is now running Nigerian scams. <laughs> well, I saw this documentary. Called, it's really interesting documentary called Deep Web, which is all about Silk Road, and you know that's the sort of that, that that's the that's the central kind of um, focus of the film. But it's it's about the internet in general as uh, as a whole and internet security and basically how vulnerable we are. And essentially, you know what they sort of say in this documentary is if you have any kind of email account, if you have any social media account, you are vulnerable. And in, in fact, chances are a lot of your information is already out there. Unless you are changing your password every two weeks, if you're encrypting your emails, anyone who has like a basic understanding, you can go on eBay and download software to hack into someone's phone. It's really, really easy to do. Uh, the reason I'm using this like weird dongle thing here in the hotel room is last year when I was here in this hotel, I got hacked because it's real. One of the easiest ways to get hacked is using hotel, hotel Wi Fi. Right. Yeah. Because people just literally kind of, once you're on the hotel Wi Fi, they can log into whatever it is yeah. that your transaction is. And, the, and doing. the way the guy was describing it, he said that um, it's not that you're being targeted specifically. He said, if you think about the internet like a street, is they're just going down the street trying doors. Right. And if you find a door that's open or has a very weak lock then you're just going to go in and fuck around and grab photos and you know social security numbers and all that kind of stuff and so he said at the very minimum you should be changing your passwords every two weeks fuck that shit be fucked with that I'm just I'm just wrapped when they're all the same thing yeah. which I know is the opposite of what it's meant to be but if I have a sweet period where one of them hasn't been hacked and all my passwords are the same thing that's my glory time in life yeah. because I know that every time I log into anything I have the same fucking password but this director of this um, uh, it's, uh, you know, it's funny the director of this documentary is Alex we should um, oh we're gonna wind uh, it up wind it up by okay. the way because I have to do a show on 
Bit, Soon. Okay. I have to have a shower and shit. Uh, the director of this documentary is Alex Winter, who you may know as yep. uh, Bill from uh, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure. I do indeed. Uh, but he was saying that the, the, the greater threat than uh, hackers is corporations that are using facial recognition technology right. or monitoring your online activity to sell things to you better. Oh, I mean, literally as you walk around a supermarket now, like people, there's a point where they can target things to where you are in the supermarket and what you need and like, yeah, all this sort of stuff. I mean, they know so much about us. There was that famous story in America about uh, the woman whose dad found out oh, she yeah. was pregnant from Target. Because Target knew more about what she was buying and whatever and could like run it through their algorithm. Instead of I mean, sending her uh, maternity wear and stuff. So, um, look, we need to finish it up. It's a bit of a shorter episode, although we've done 50 minutes. Yeah. Um, uh, what I think we want to plug is the live show. Yes. Tickets um, went on sale on uh, Friday. Good Friday. And I think they're, they're, it's more than half sold more, out. Uh, about two-thirds already sold out. And so. it's, we're expecting it's probably going to sell out pretty quick. So if you do want to get tickets to that, you can go to Ticketmaster. It's... People have been saying it's hard to search for. If it's not under TOEFOP, look under 30-odd foot of pod, yeah. the full title. There is now a link on the Facebook page and on my Twitter and stuff like that as well, So, and I assume on your Twitter. So yeah. if you go to any of those places and just click on the link, you'll be able to go through. And on the, the site, you can actually choose your own seats and see where you're going to sit. But it's a great venue. It's where I do my stand-up show, and there's no bad seats in that house. And I don't know if this is the case, but you may be being part of the biggest podcast, live podcast in Australia so far. Oh, yeah. Would that be true? Uh, I guess so. I mean, I don't know. There may have been some other sort of Well, Australia. No, I'm sure when Mark Marin came out, he probably did one to, to lots of people, I did he? he did a big live podcast oh, really? when he was in Australia. Okay. So, yeah, we'll take it. We'll claim it until we'll we're proven it. wrong. It's, well, it's a actually, top fact. You know what? Probably when uh, Kevin, Kevin Smith and uh, Jay, Jay did that the, yeah, at the yeah. Opera House. Yeah, yeah, that's probably right. But Australia, Australians. The biggest Australian podcast. <laughs> you know what? Maybe not even. But come along is the point. Yeah. Uh, Daniel Soss is going to be involved. Uh, Justin, Lindsay, uh, Felicity Ward, all sorts of people who've been on the podcast. And there'll be heaps more. Yeah. We have a very special guest that we're not going to mention until the night, but it's very exciting exciting for the show and um john deeks is hosting it yeah. so uh, did you was deeksy working at the yeah deeksy we, we, we caught up i mean deeksy uh, deeksy is such a pro man like you see him do his audience work and he is just the perfect you know it was just talking about like you know tv pre presenters who seem to just be so at ease in front of a crowd that guy is amazing like he is so good and if anyone was at our tofop live last year it was amazing you would have seen him completely steal the show from, from us. He was amazing. He's so great. And he's even more committed this year. I don't want to actually spoil what no. he... But he has come to us with ideas. He's actually now actively involved in the show. Basically, he needs a budget. <laughs> <laughs> Which, funnily enough, if you subscribe to Patreon, we yeah. can provide. Yeah. So uh, go to patreon.com uh, forward slash TOEFOP if you'd like to support the show. We take donations of any level. Um, but there's also incentives for you to sort of take different um, uh, uh, subscription levels. Uh, and all that stuff goes to the things that we're creating. So uh, thank you very much for that. Uh, I am uh, currently during the Melbourne incident. Oh, that was John Deeks. John just Deeks texted <laughs> as we were talking. He's asking if he can get a couple of tickets for the show. Should I say? <laughs> get uh, fucked. Half price. <laughs> <laughs> Two for one. Deeks, if you're listening, yes, of course, you can get a yes, couple of tickets for this show. Uh, just as long as you subscribe to our highest tier yeah, on Patreon. <laughs> <laughs> the John Deeks tier. It's $100, but you have to be John Deeks. <laughs> uh, well,
good luck with that. Anything to promote? Uh, I'm doing the I'm doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival at the moment. Um, uh, it's going to sell out. Basically, that's the truth. Um, uh, the, the the rest of the festival is going to sell out. So please don't wait until the last week. If you want to come and see the show, come this week. That's probably the best week of all. But uh, get your tickets really quickly. And uh, April the 7th, I'm at the Sydney Opera House. Two shows only. The first one's nearly sold out. But the second one, still some tickets available for that. That is my only show in Sydney. Well, only shows in Sydney this year. So if you want to see the show in Sydney, and it's my favourite show I've ever done, uh, come and see it there. And then the first week of May, I'm in Perth. And we have another podcast uh, called Two Guys, One Cup, which is an AFL podcast. It's for those of you who like your football analysis without any research or expertise. Although we did go to a game today. So. We did go to a game and Will yeah. didn't know the numbers of his own players. We went down to the rooms, though. That was we saw him good. sing the song. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was a good day. It was a good day. We'll, we'll talk about it more on the podcast, <laughs> uh, which we'll be hoping to make weekly. Uh, we haven't sort of determined a schedule yet, but there'll be another episode coming yeah. out this week. We'll try to do one this week. I'm Charlie Clawson. I'm Will Anderson. Oh, 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 oh,